So friends, will you please turn to your bulletin and let us say together our scripture of the day, which comes from the prophet Zechariah. This will also be found on your screen if you're worshiping with us online. Let us say this line together. See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Let us pray. Holy God, may all that we do and say in this day be well and good in your sight. Amen. Okay, so I admit it. I was a bit of a uh, Bible nerd as a child. I was very much into reading my fully illustrated children's Bible. I loved Sunday school. And I even once got in trouble for having drawn a life-size nativity scene with crayon on the wall of our formal dining room. <laughs> my mom used to laugh as she would tell the story, not sure how to punish me, considering the nature of my artwork. And when people would ask the question, if you could be anyone in history, who would you want to be? And I would frequently say that I wanted to be one of the 12 disciples. No, I didn't want to be a princess or Amelia Earhart. I apparently wanted to be Peter. But it's on days like today, when we spend time in worship, considering an incredibly important moment in the life of Jesus, that I suddenly have that urge once again and want to be one of the disciples. What must it have been like to be living in the midst of such a celebrated moment, not only in history of the church, but in the history of the world? And I love the ways in which the skit guys help us bring us into these stories, just like the video that we just saw, when they reimagine for us all what it must have been like to be an eyewitness to these moments in time. For those who have spent some time in the church, today's scripture reading is all too familiar because we dedicate a whole Sunday to it each and every year. The familiar story of Jesus making his triumphant entry into Jerusalem to a throng of worshipers, men, women, and children, waving palm branches and shouting their hosannas and praise. This familiar story of Palm Sunday that invites us into Holy Week and sets us up for the observance of the last days of Jesus's earthly ministry. But this morning, instead of focusing on the crowds or the palm branches or the words shouted, I'd like to spend some time considering uh, the significance of two often overlooked objects in this story, coats and the donkey. First of all, coats. I found it fascinating to discover that the disciples were the first in the processional to relinquish their coats to the Lord. As they draped them over the back of the donkey in preparation for Jesus' ride through Jerusalem. And one has to perhaps wonder, did the crowd witness them doing this action, thus sparking a wave of others to be compelled to place their cloaks at Jesus' feet as well? The significance of this is illustrated further by Jill Duffield as she writes this. More than a red carpet, more than clearing the streets for a president or visiting dignitary, the crowd gives up their own coats 
to show their reverence for Jesus of Nazareth. The cheering crowds offer up their cloaks willingly to the one who instructs his followers to give the shirts off their back to those who would take their coats. As if practicing what it will require of those who follow fully disciples and crowds alike get, give whatever they have to show their loyalty to Jesus. Their enthusiasm and joy over Jesus' arrival overcomes any impulse to hold back emotions or resources. About four years or so ago, my nephew Jarrett, then in high school, was working here at Rosedale as the weekend janitorial assistant. So early on Sunday mornings, he was typically one of the first people in the building. And for many weeks, every Sunday morning when he would come in, he would see this amazing coat, the furry black and white one hanging up right over here, which belongs to the one and only Sandy Mae Namisto. And it was hung up on the coat rack at the beginning of the hallway that leads to the offices. Eventually, one Sunday morning, Jarrett comes up to me with Sandy's coat in hand and says, hey, Aunt Kate, since this coat has been hanging up here every Sunday morning for a while now, it's clear that it's been left behind, so can I have it? <laughs> he, had, <laughs> he had no idea that the coat belonged to Sandy Maine, who often came to church earlier on Sunday mornings than he did, so that she could practice for worship. I am not sure what my tall, strapping teenage nephew had in mind for that coat, but he loved it and he wanted it. And unfortunately for Jared, since he is not the Messiah, Sandy is unwilling to part ways with him on his behalf. So this is one of the reasons why we chose to do a coat drive today. Reminding ourselves that service and giving is also a form of worship. This is why we were all invited to take inventory of our all too full closets and to consider donating to those who have need as a means of welcoming the Lord into our lives and showing our reverence for Jesus of Nazareth as well. Now what about this donkey? I would argue that most of us, when we conjure up images in our head about Palm Sunday, we almost always see the scene with Jesus riding on the donkey. But how often have we really taken the time to think more about Jesus' means of transportation on this day? First of all, we have Jesus' unusual directive to a couple of his disciples to go into the village of Bethany, where they are to retrieve a colt for him, one that has never been ridden, untie it and bring it back to him. Let's once again try and imagine this scene, what that must have been like for these unnamed disciples. Now, donkeys were fairly commonplace in villages in ancient Israel. So are we to assume that as they walked through the village gates, there before them stood a lone donkey, thus they knew this was what they were looking for? Or were there a number of donkeys milling about tied to their hitching posts 
yet one was illuminated by a sunbeam like a spotlight, <laughs> pointing out the Lord's chosen. I guess we'll never know for sure, and not that it's important whatsoever, but it is fun to wonder about. And how about its owners when they witness strange men taking their donkey and simply being satisfied with the disciples' response of, the Lord needs it. Theologian N.T. Wright suggests that Jesus may have previously made arrangements with its owner since he traveled through Bethany frequently, hence their easygoing nature as their donkey is being led away. So that perhaps is one explanation. And what of the significance of this donkey having, having never been ridden before? Here are just a few interesting ideas. First of all, it is suggested that this donkey, in its previously unused state, had been set apart specifically for the service of the Lord. It was kept until it was time to be used specifically for this purpose, to carry the Messiah through the gates of Jerusalem. Also, a donkey or a horse or a mule that has been unused also means that it's unbroken. It had not been trained on how to carry a rider, but somehow this donkey, through its own supernatural instincts as provided by God, was able to navigate its way steady and sure-footed through a shouting crowd, an uneven road strewn with coats and palm branches, never once slipping or stumbling with its precious cargo. And finally, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on an unused donkey on Sunday, and five days later, his dead body was laid in an unused tomb on Friday. And what about the significance of Jesus riding a donkey at all? Not only is Jesus fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah, see, your king comes to you riding on a donkey, but he is also redefining kingship. Kings are typically characters of great wealth who surround themselves with servants and others of great wealth and display their strength through their military might. Jesus is the antithesis of these kingly characters. He is a poor carpenter from the backwater town of Nazareth. He is not surrounded by servants, but rather a ragtag group of uneducated, poor themselves tax collectors and fishermen who do not serve Jesus, but whom Jesus serves himself. And though we know Jesus certainly commands an army of angels, he rides through the gates of Jerusalem on a donkey and not a war horse. Donkeys, which are simply common work animals for those who live at or below subsistence level, because after human labor, the donkey is the cheapest form of agricultural power. Through this act of riding on a donkey, Jesus shows his solidarity with common folk, the laborers, the marginalized, the oppressed. Jesus shows that he is simply one of them, that he too is part of the crowd and he is accessible to all who would simply reach out their hands to touch him. Meek, humble, gentle. These are the words that not only can be used to describe a donkey, but they are used 
to describe Jesus as well. He is not trigger happy, not harsh, reactionary, or easily exasperated. He is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. It is in humbleness that Jesus rides a donkey, and in this way he is showing power through his humility, through gentleness. When he gets slapped, he does not slap back. When he gets derided, he does not call back. When he is nailed to a cross, he does not condemn, but he forgives. He shows power through submission and submits because of love. These are certainly not characteristics of earthly human kings, but characteristics of the king of the heavens. Jesus, gentle and lowly on Palm Sunday, all before the ferocious battle over death on Good Friday. This is the man for whom we take off our coats and throw in the road before his feet. This is the man for whom we sing and wave palm branches and dance and shout. This is the man for whom we continue to worship 2,000 years later in the year 2022, knowing that he continues to be the best example this world has ever seen of true humility, true servitude, true grace, and true love. So as I close today, I wish to ask one final question. Are all of us open to following the way of the donkey and to be untied for the Lord's use? Like the donkey, will you allow yourself to be untied so that you too may play a significant role in Christ's story? Pastor Alec, uh, Alan Rudnick writes, we are often tied, aren't we? We are tied down by many things, by guilt, anxiety, and concern. Some of us are tied down with the need to forgive, but we cannot bring ourselves to do it. Others are tied down to obsessions or chemical dependence. We may be tied down to our smartphones and tablets and be unable to put those devices down. Some need to let go and not be afraid to show love, peace, faith, joy, or the gospel to others. As Christians, we need to be untied from what weighs us down. Palm Sunday is not just a celebration of Christ as King, but a celebration of Jesus as our liberator from dependencies and afflictions. We need to be free to experience Jesus in our lives. We are meant to ride with Jesus, to follow him on his journey to Jerusalem, the holy city, the city where God dwells. We were created with a purpose, to love God and to love each other. Jill Duffield asks a similar question on this Palm Sunday. How do we respond like those who spread their coats on the road before Jesus? Too often we suppress both our praise and our generosity. We fear looking foolish. We calculate the cost of our giving. We value the protection of our coats over the worship of our Lord. We justify standing in the back 
observing the parade, wrapped tightly in our cloak by saying things like, there are enough coats on the road already, or if Jesus really needs it, I will give it to him. Jesus himself tells the Pharisees that if the crowds did not shout, the stones would. When we hold back our cries of Hosanna and cling to our coats, creation sings, and the streets overflow with palms and songs anyway. Are we willing to be untied to follow Christ, to use us as he sees fit? And are we willing to praise him with reckless abandon, even to the point of giving him the coats off our backs? Because he is worth it, my friends. Because regardless of what we choose to do with our relationship with him, Jesus still chooses to enter Jerusalem with or without our coats on the road. And he still chooses to set his face towards Calvary. Jesus still chooses to take up the cross, our cross, and he still chooses to carry it, and he still chooses to die upon it, because Jesus has chosen love, because Jesus has chosen you. Amen.